You're listening to Smith Talk with Keith Smith. That would be me, free-thinking American educator, bringing you conservative commentary and analysis on the news of the moment, along with life advice and random facts. Currently, I teach civics and economics to high school seniors. I am a U.S. military veteran, active duty Air Force, Army National Guard, and Air Force Reserve. Thanks for listening. Happy Labor Day. Welcome to this episode of Smith Talk. Thank you for listening. Today is Labor Day 2022, September 5th. Communist holiday it is Labor Day, although the rest of the world, the communist world and whatnot celebrates International Day of the Worker on May 1st, May Day. We in the United States chose to celebrate it in September for whatever reason. Kind of a funny story this last week, my children asking me why they had the day off from school and so forth. And my response to my innocent small children, young skulls full of mush was that, why, of course, we get the day off from school and work. And it's called Labor Day because we get to stay home and do chores. And so we did. We did chores and work around the house. It wasn't all work, but we did spend a good part of the day working and doing chores. My 12-year-old son helped me outside with a project around the house. And it was a good opportunity for us to work together. Uh, It was nice nice and toasty, some warm Southern California desert weather out there. It was, uh, Got up to about 113, I think it was, 112, 113 before we came in. And according to my thermometer, it is like 114, maybe 115 outside on the back porch. So normal day for this time of the year where we live in this in the Southwest desert. AC is blasting, of course, running the AC. Got it set in there, nice and cool inside the house. So come inside and cool off and go back, back and forth in and out. Uh, so... A lot of things on the radar this week, a lot of things going on. Second week of school, I've got some school stories I'd like to tell. Some of the things that have happened and, and experiences that I've had, I, I get interesting questions from my students, and I, I appreciate that. They, they're they all high school seniors. I teach civics and economics, and I'll get to that a little bit later here in the podcast. But uh, to start out with, we have uh, an interesting situation in California. We have leadership that has, in the case, in this case, our, our tyrannical governor, uh, Comrade Newsom, uh, that has basically hamstrung energy production, electricity production in the state of California. We have just this last weekend, it's supposed to be super hot and it is super hot. I mean, I don't notice it. It doesn't seem any hotter to me in the desert Southwest than it has been on average this summer or any other kind of cycles. We have some summers that are hotter on average, more hot days or hotter days and some summers with less and the same with, uh, you know, every three or four years, we get a winter that has more precipitation. So we have a problem, however, with the electrical grid in the state of California and the state putting out flex alerts, rolling brownouts and blackouts, begging people not to charge their electric cars up in the Bay Area. That was one of the headlines this last weekend. And we have Governor Newsom, who's been on the warpath against Governor DeSantis of the state of Florida. I think he's a little vexed that California, for the first time in California state history, has lost a seat in the House of Representatives. California became a state in 1850, and every single 10 years thereafter, when there was a census, California gained representation. The largest state, most populous, 2020 census revealed that we have out-migration from the state. People leaving the state of California going elsewhere, and for good reason, for good measure. We, in fact, and our family have considered it. it. It's sad. California is such a beautiful state, such a nice place to be. 
Um, even in the desert southwest that we put up with three months of, of the year, three, four months of just hellish weather, June, July, August, September, and the rest of the year is pretty decent, pretty nice. We have a lot of winter visitors, people that come here from the north, a lot from Canada, although we've seen less from Canada lately because of the economic situation and COVID, but a lot of people from the northern regions of the country, cooler regions of the country, frigid, we would say, in the wintertime that come down here and spend the winter with us, so we appreciate that. But Comrade Newsom and the Democrat Party that is run, the Socialist Party, extreme far leftists. These are not your, your grandfather's Democrat. My great-grandfather came to California from Texas in the early, early mid-1920s, and he was a Democrat until the day he died. That was his thing. He was a Democrat. This is not the Democrat Party of your grandfather or your father or your great-grandparents. It's not. These are far-left extremists nuts. They're just absolutely out there nutty. And that's who's in charge right now. They are through their foolish mandates that you cannot have any electricity produced in the state of California using fossil fuels, shutting down nuclear power plants, raising taxes on uh, energy that is produced from fossil fuels in the form of gasoline and, and diesel tax. We're paying over 70 cents a gallon in taxes for gasoline and more than that for diesel. Most people in the state don't realize it. But here's Governor Newsom. I'm going to roll a clip here. This is Comrade Newsom, day before yesterday. And among other things, uh, he, he, he stated this in, in a message to the people of California. Here we go. Here's Governor Newsom. And the Flex Alert just asked you if you can do a little bit more. Uh, we voluntarily ask you to do a little bit more to help us get through the next week or so uh, to turn, interestingly, up a little bit, the thermostat at home to 78 degrees. Try to pre-cool earlier in the day, the, the home. Uh, try not to use uh, too much electricity in those key hours. And the key hours are between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, in the evening. Try to reduce your consumption to the extent possible. Uh, if you're not home, it's a holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend, and you're out enjoying yourself. Uh, we encourage you, before you leave home, if you can turn uh, those thermostats up to 85 degrees. That would also help reduce demand, particularly with so many of the automatic uh, thermostats that we all have and enjoy. Uh, we want to make sure, again, we're not using unnecessarily and consuming unnecessarily uh, too much electricity. So Flex Alert's just an opportunity to elevate a consciousness for all of us to prepare to enter into this week and to work our way through what will be perhaps the most challenging two days, and that's Sunday and Monday, this coming Sunday and Monday. Turn your thermostats up to 85 degrees when you leave the house and set it on 78 degrees, maybe 80. Otherwise, is what the governor is telling us here in this message, if you listen to it he, previous to making this statement. He gave some excuses for having rolling you know, blackouts and brownouts and having to issue flex alerts and talking about the Oroville Dam and having to shut down that hydroelectric plant. I got news for you. The problems that we have in the state of California with electricity are directly linked to decisions that he has made as governor of the state of California and his accomplices in the state legislature. That would be the 40 state senators and the 80 members of the state legislature, the vast majority of them being Democrats, supermajority, 65, 70% in the state of California. They are absolutely 100% completely and totally responsible for the situation that we are in the, in the state of California. The high prices, 
the high energy prices. My energy bill are in our home, our energy bill over the last year, one year has gone up 30 to 40% in one year. And it is a direct consequence of decisions that they have made, such as to forbid, prohibit the use of fossil fuels to generate electricity on our grid. We're paying 70 cents a gallon, more than 70 cents a gallon right now, just in state gasoline taxes altogether in gasoline. And someday in another, in, in a future episode, I will break it down and explain it. We're paying around $1.20 in taxes and fees, state taxes and fees for our gasoline. And actually that, that does include the eight, 18 and a half cent federal sales tax, but state of California, it's around a buck a gallon that we're paying in taxes for gasoline. And it's even higher for diesel. And this is the state that Gavin Newsom has created. And this guy wants to be president of the United States with his gel hair and raspy voice. And he thinks somehow that he's going, he's, he's the, the savior of the United States. He's the, the next JFK. Don't fall for it. People do not fall for it. The vast majority of the people in this country are actually conservative. They're far more conservative than they, than people believe or that people realize. And when people see, when people understand what exactly is happening in this country, they get it. They get it and they repudiate this far left governance. We see it in Hispanic voter registration shifting to the right, to Republican Party across the country in percentages that we have never seen before as a for example. People see the writing on the wall. Gavin Newsom is a menace to the state of California. He's an absolute mess. The state is a mess. Just this last June, we were in San Diego, spent a few days in San Diego, beautiful, beaches, beautiful weather. It used to be you could walk around in Balboa Park in the dark. You used to be able to walk around in parts of San Diego today where after the sun goes down, I would not let my teenage daughter go out or I would not my, want my wife to go out and walk around on, around the street. You walk past a street corner and there's somebody, you know, two or three homeless people and depending on where you go, piles of excrement. This is San Diego. It's not, it's not nearly as bad as Los Angeles or San Francisco, you know, but you wonder that person that I just walked past that is that smells like marijuana, excrement, and urine that's mumbling to themselves if they're not going to stick a knife or an ice pick into your neck because it's happened. It's happened in Los Angeles. It's happened in San Francisco. It's a terrible, terrible situation. And what's the solution? The solution is to throw money at it and we need to build housing and this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't even want to go down the rabbit hole of homelessness, but it is a for example. There is a reason why for the first time since California became a state in 1850, that in 2020, the census determined that we would lose a representative in Congress and the House of Representatives that we should have gone down to. If the census had been calculated as President Trump at the time had wanted to and only counted U.S. citizens for representation in Congress, California would have lost two. As it is, we lost one. You can Google it. Look it up. People are leaving California in droves and people in other states know this. Hopefully the people leaving California don't take their voting or the California voting habit with. I get a feeling that a lot of people leaving the state of California, some of them are own, my own family members that have gone. I, aunt and uncle that moved to Florida just this last year, retired from retired in California. They're gone. They've moved to Florida. I have another uncle that's thinking about moving to Texas. And this guy wants to be president of the United States. Gavin Newsom wants to be president of the United States. I pray that never happens. Gavin Newsom and his far left socialist political party, the Democrat party, do not stand for individual liberty, for sovereignty of the person. They don't. They stand for 
collective good. They are socialists, they are Marxists, and the ends justify the means. What more example can I give you than what the President of the United States, Joe Biden, said just this last week about those who oppose him? These people are tyrants. They are tyrannical leaders. They are extremists. And they have walked away from the common American voter, the average American voter, whether they're middle of the road or lean to the right or maybe lean a little bit to the left. The Democrat Party is no longer the party of your grandfather, your grandmother, your great-grandfather, and your or your great-grandmother. But that Democrat Party does not exist anymore. And if you are somebody listening to this and you think that that's the way to go, you need to take a step back and look at multiple sources of information and ask yourself how much of your individual liberty, your sovereignty, are you willing to exchange for supposed safety and security from these people who cannot even run the state right, I'm talking about the state of California, who can't even make sure that you have uh, your electricity when you need it. People who are going to mandate what kind of car you have to drive. No more gasoline cars by the year 2035 in California. Since when in our free market economy does innovation and production get determined by government regulators? In a free market system, innovation and production is driven by consumer demand. I defy anyone to come up with an example, one example where top-down central planning worked out really well and provided the same standard of living that we enjoy in the United States today. You can't find it. It doesn't exist. And speaking of tyrannical leaders, the speech that President Biden gave this last week, I thought I had heard everything that could have possibly come out of a president's mouth. It was absolutely stunning to me to look at the president of the United States standing in front of Independence Hall with Marines behind him with that hall lit up in red in the dark, shadowy imagery. And it's been said, I'm beating a dead horse here. It was Stalin-esque. It was Hitler-esque. Let me go ahead and roll a few excerpts from that speech for you here, if you haven't heard it yet. As I stand here tonight, equality and democracy are under assault. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. When one side believes there are only two outcomes to an election, either they win or they were cheated. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence, brutally attacking law enforcement, not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy. What you heard in the background was Zieg Heiling and Nazi music taken from a 1930s May Day, that would be the International Day of the Worker, speech given by Adolf Hitler, in the which Hitler said some things strikingly, eerily similar to what the President of the United States said about, quote, MAGA Republicans having a knife at the neck of our democracy. Guess what Adolf Hitler said in that speech? And I am a student of the Holocaust, and I do not take the Holocaust lightly. I have a piece of paper that says that I am an expert. It's a master's degree in that field of study. 
and that time period of his, that dark era in history. And Adolf Hitler said in that speech, and he said repeatedly some of the same things about the so-called enemies of Germany, in his case, main scapegoats being Jewish people living in Germany, very similar to what you hear Joe Biden saying about MAGA Republicans. And if you hear a little bit of anger or frustration in my voice as I think about this and talk about this, absolutely, absolutely. The president of the United States came out and said that me and other people that I know, I'm a school teacher, I work, I pay my taxes, I attend church services, I worship, I do my best to be a responsible citizen, a law-abiding citizen, to do my duty. I served this country in the United States military. I gave nine years of my life. And I am a threat, according to Joe Biden, to this nation that he calls a democracy, which I've got news for him. It's not a pure democracy. Democracy, the founders of this country understood that democracy was one step away from mob rule. Have you ever heard of the dictatorship, the dictatorship of the majority? That's what democracy is. Socrates, Socrates, everybody loves to talk about the democracy of ancient Greece. Let's talk about Socrates, ancient Athens. Socrates, a teacher, a teacher, people decided they didn't like what he was saying. Some of the things that he was teaching, maybe some of the methods, maybe challenging the way things were and questioning. And they put him on trial and by a simple majority vote of 500 Athenian men, by 20 votes, by 20 votes, they voted him off the island, literally. They said, you will kill yourself or we will do it for you. You may no longer breathe our air. And so Socrates drank hemlock and killed himself. That is democracy. Democracy is mob rule. I got news for Joe Biden and everybody on the left. The framers of our constitution, the founders of this great nation, gave us a representative republic. They tempered democracy with republicanism and protections for basic human rights, basic natural rights, God-given rights, that all men are endowed by their creator, and we know the rest. It is absolutely frightening to me that more people on the left, and there have been some, I granted, there have been some who've spoken out and said that he was, he was quote, too partisan. He was too partisan. I suppose, I suppose I should accept that and we should accept that and say, okay, at least they said something. There are very few that have actually stood up and said something and that's scary. And those, there are many on the left that know that this did not look well at all. It didn't look good. They're not talking. I follow, I force myself every day to read CNN. Maybe you should too. I look at multiple sources of information. I don't look only at conservative news media. I'm a news junkie. And I force myself, among other things, every day to look at the homepage of CNN.com. And the day after the speech that Biden gave, little bit of a blurb on it, no imagery. And it there were a couple of CNN commentators the night of that spoke out and said that they didn't like what they saw. And then disappeared. Not another picture, not another word about it crickets. And that right there tells you that they know how terribly bad that looked. The fact that they have buried it and they hope that they don't ever have to talk about it again. That said, I just want to emphasize and reiterate something that I said as I began this segment. I take the Nazi perpetrated Holocaust of World War II very seriously. I'm a student of that time period. I I'm a student of the Holocaust. I think I've read every single Holocaust memoir that is that has been written just about. And I should put out a, a suggested reading list among, and many academic 
histories written on the subject, and I don't wish this to be perceived or understood as I am in any way saying that conservatives in the United States are victims in the sense, in the same sense that Jewish people living in Nazi Germany and the greater German Reich during World War II were victims of the Holocaust. Absolutely not. What I do wish to do, and I hope that I did, was to express my concern and draw a comparison between some of the things that Joe Biden said and others on the left in this country have said about conservatives with things that Adolf Hitler said about people that he viewed as a threat to his country and to the German government and the Nazi party at the time. Absolutely maniacal, unjustified fears of Jewish people and others living within his country. And I would add, I could draw a comparison with other tyrannical leaders such as Mao Zedong, Joseph Stalin, Vladimir Lenin, and I could go on. Things that they said about their political opposition or groups of people that they viewed as undesirables or threats. Anyway, moving on to other news stories today, other, other things going on this last week. All across conservative media the last couple days since Joe Biden made that horrid speech in front of Independence Hall, a desecration, in my opinion, of that uh, sacred place, there have been a lot of conservatives, pundits on the right that have opined on this and said a lot of different things about it. But I think probably the best one that I have heard so far was from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And talk about a great contract, con, you know, like compare, contrast him with Governor Comrade Newsom of California. DeSantis is absolutely amazing and a, definitely a real contender for the presidency at some point in time in the future. But he joined this guy named uh, Raymond Arroyo, who's a guest host for Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle on Fox News. And he asked, among other things, Arroyo asked DeSantis about this speech that Joe Biden gave, and his answer is, is, I think, the best that I've heard so far from any conservative, anybody on the right. So I'll go ahead and roll it. We are joined exclusively by the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Governor, thank you for being here. Overnight polling must have been really bad for Biden's big fascism speech, given the whiplash he gave everybody today. What was your initial reaction when you first heard what he said? Well, I thought it was one of the most uh, disgusting speeches an American president has ever given. He uh, ran as being a unifier, and he's basically saying to the vast majority of the country that disapproves of him uh, that they're effectively a threat to the republic. He dodders, he lashes out, uh, but at the end of the day, his policies are why there's so much opposition to him. He came in and he opened the border, and we've seen what a disaster that's been. He kneecapped American energy. We've seen how that's hurt millions and millions of people across our country. They've inflated the currency. We have one of the worst inflations we've had in over 40 years. So, of course, people are going to be upset at all the wreckage that he's left in his wake. He is the American Nero. He's a failed leader. And I think that he is doing this because he's trying to energize his base to fend off uh, a real butt whip in this November. Uh, Governor, to what do you attribute the flip-flopping here? Is this senility or is this self-preservation because he saw the polling on this speech and the reaction? 
Look, it's been said that the president of the United States is whoever is feeding his teleprompter. And Mm -hmm. so they fed that teleprompter in in Philadelphia last night, and he angrily delivered that speech and lashed out at his fellow countrymen. Today, he was asked off the cuff, and he said something totally opposite. But I note, Raymond, they're tweeting from his account the same nasty stuff that he said last night. And so I think the people that are in control of the White House uh, want to drive this message uh, that people that dissent from his policies are somehow second-class citizens. And think about it. They've been willing to mobilize the administrative apparatus of government to go after people they don't like. Remember, this time last year, Mm -hmm. they were imposing vax mandates. They wanted people to lose their job based on getting an mRNA shot or not. And unfortunately, I think the weaponization of this government is something, when you talk about 87,000 IRS agents, who's that going to go after? Mm. It's going to go after the people that he was attacking in his speech last night. Mm. Governor, here's what Biden said about acceptable Republicans. Watch this. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. American democracy only works only if we choose to respect the rule of law and the institutions that were set up in this chamber behind me. Only if we respect our legitimate political differences. Uh, Governor, who made Biden the passport officer of mainstream Republicanism? And does the governor of Florida fit in that definition, do you think? Well, look, he talks about rule of law. What has he done? He's violated his oath of office to take care that the laws are faithfully executed by opening the border. He's not following the law there. Look what he did with the student loan bailout. Congress never authorized that. He's citing a law from September 11th to somehow give loan forgiveness and put it on the backs of the taxpayer for people with degrees in gender studies. So spare me this idea of the rule of law. He doesn't give a darn about the rule of law. And yes, the only Republicans he likes are Republicans that want him to get his way. If you stand up against his bad policies like we do in Florida, then of course he's going to try to write you out over who's acceptable as an American citizen. Yeah, well, I mean, if Kevin McCarthy becomes speaker, is he an acceptable Republican? or not? Is he not going to speak to the Speaker of the House? I rather doubt it. Governor, last night we saw two Marines standing at attention behind Biden. At least one veterans group says they're reduced to props. Here's how the White House press secretary defended it. The presence of the Marines at the speech was intended to demonstrate the deep and abiding respect uh, the president has for these service service members uh, to these ideals uh, and the unique role our independent military plays in defending our democracy. Governor, you're a veteran. Your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, he's using those Marines as a prop for a partisan attack on half the country. Uh, I think that that's something that is uh, doesn't sit well with a lot of veterans. I'd also say he respects veterans. He respects active duty. He has kicked out military members based on the covid jab. That's Mm. not respect in my book. We've lost a lot of good people who wanted to serve, but for his mandates. Yeah, well, some are saying it was also a way to underscore his war talk, if you will. And they keep saying this is not a political speech. But sure, it sounded like it. And the imagery was quite aggressive, like the Praetorian Guard surrounding him there. 
Yeah, look, and then I think you look at the way he's weaponized federal agencies, it all plays into this idea uh, of him mobilizing government uh, against people he doesn't like. And he has done that time and time again, and I think he's going to continue to do it. And if Republicans do take control, they need to hold them accountable, because I think it's likely to get worse uh, if he loses in the midterms. Governor, we knew school closings during COVID were devastating, but this national test results, uh, this report card, shows that the pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading. Democrats are now trying to blame Republicans, which we'll get to a bit later in the show. But I have to ask you, you took a lot of criticism for reopening those schools early in Florida. What is your message tonight for those trying to blame you and Trump for these educational setbacks? Well, first of all, the pandemic didn't cause those setbacks. Lockdown policies of Democrat governors, Anthony Fauci, Uh, national teachers unions who wanted schools closed. They are the ones that caused that. In Florida, we said you have a right to be in school and you need to be in school. And we've done much better as a result. But it wasn't the pandemic because all it required was leadership to say we need to keep kids in school. And those Democrats and those unions and the left and Fauci, they chose ideology over what was right for those kids. And the damage is going to be lasting regardless of what Fauci wants to tell you. Governor, before I let you go, we see the polls tightening, the generic polls moving into these uh, generic ballots, moving into the midterms. What would be your advice to the Republican Party? What notes should they strike in these closing days? And how should they counter what we heard from President Biden last night? Well, hold Biden accountable. This is a referendum on his failures. Make sure everybody knows how his policies have contributed to the mess we're in. Uh, And then articulate what you will do to address things like the border, like crime, uh, like inflation. I think if you do that, I think Republicans are going to win both chambers. And I think it'll be a really good night. Governor Ron DeSantis, thank you for making the time. Happy Labor Day to you. And we'll talk to you soon, I hope. What a great description Ron DeSantis gives us of Joe Biden, the American Nero, as an emperor Nero of Rome who ruled between 54, 55 AD and 68 AD. If I'm saying that correctly, I believe that's what it is. And Nero was known as a tyrant. He was known to be corrupt. He was hated. He taxed his people. And a lot of the people in the lower classes uh, fell for it. They liked Nero because he taxed the working class, the productive class and the upper class heavily in order to build amphitheaters and put on shows and have parades and hand out free bread and stuff like that to people, try to buy people's support. Eventually, he lost support of everybody in Rome. He persecuted Christians. He killed his own mother. Did I say that? He killed his own mother to take power, matricide, they call it. And history was not kind to Nero. Nero is a synonym for a tyrant today. And there was under, during his uh, reign, there was a huge fire in Rome. And a lot of the people at the time, whether it was true or not, Roman historians blame Nero for that fire. He wanted to build himself a huge sumptuous palace. And so he needed to clear the land in order to be able to do that. And he to clear out part of the city and the part of the city that happened to burn was where he wanted to put his palace. That's Emperor Nero, tyrant Joe Biden. At least Biden sounded very much like a tyrant in that speech. And I think, as I said, Ron DeSantis had a great response there to everything. And um, the American Nero, there you go. That's Joe Biden.
Check out Year of the Rooster, first 72 hours on Amazon.com. It's available in Kindle format for $2.99 or for free if you have Kindle Unlimited $7.99 paperback version. Year of the Rooster is a novel of historical fiction about war between the United States and China. Far-fetched? Could China pursue global dominance via conflict? If one looks to human history for an answer to this question, the answer is yes. So far, all great empires were born of conflict. All great empires and nations have historically had to fight to maintain their place of dominance. What then would a conflict of this sort look like? How would it begin? The historical record is rife with instances of surprise attack. If you want to be scared out of your mind, take a look at Year of the Rooster, first 72 hours on Amazon.com. How about a Kamala Harris update? I, I know we, we love to have fun with Kamala Harris. It is a scary thought, however, that she is the vice president of the United States. And at President Biden's age, you never know. I mean, she could wind up being president of the United States. What a horrid thought. But anyway, a new story out this week. Kamala Harris has taken 166 weekend vacation days since taking office, and I would assume this does not account for other vacation days, traveling to various locations, going on vacation. And when she travels, if she's going anywhere distant from Washington, D.C., she takes an Air Force One jet. They're, they have more than one Air Force One. She, she hops on one of those Air Force jets and goes, and the Secret Service has to go with her. Roughly estimated, she has spent about 28% of her time, if this is true, 166 vacation days, she has spent around 28% of her time since taking office in January of 2021 on vacation. And it works out to about the equivalent of uh, five and a half months of vacation time altogether. If you add it up, you take the 166 and divide it by 30 days in a month, it gives you a five, 5.5 or something like that. Vacation days. Kamala Harris, please never let her become president of the United States. Um, she hasn't given us any good uh, uh, quotes lately. Maybe uh, maybe we'll, we'll hear something this week. I know they like to keep her out from in front of the camera. Same with President Biden, unless he's got a, a teleprompter. But Kamala Harris, it's either, either she comes out with a, this hideous cackle of hers and cackles about something that's not funny. Or she says something like this. Here goes a Kamala Harris montage for you guys. Enjoy. I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. Right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. And um, we got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. There you go. Some tidbits of wisdom from the vice president. I think it's a good thing that she's not going to work. Just like it's a good thing, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, the great Maharishi, it's a good thing when Congress is not in session, because when they're not in session, they're not doing stuff to you, such as raising your taxes or spending money in stupid ways, money that we don't have, or creating new social programs and expanding the bureaucracy. Anyhow, yeah, Kamala, take as many days off as you want. Just, just stay away. Just 
just don't say anything at all. Unless you want to open your mouth and say something stupid from time to time. I guess that's all right because that's kind of fun to play. But talk about leftist nuttiness. And I said at the beginning of this particular episode here that Gavin Newsom, when I'm talking about Gavin Newsom and the, and the Democrat Party, they play to the most extreme element. They listen to the most extreme element on that side, on the, on the left. They're nowhere near the center. They just keep walking as far as they go to the left and they get nuttier and nuttier and nuttier. And it's absolute, I don't know how better to describe it than saying it's just insane. It's like mental illness. So we're going to do something new here. We're going to do a segment titled, and we'll do this, we'll come back to it and do it over and over, but woke vocabulary lessons. Are you ready for a woke vocabulary lesson? Here we go. Got a new word for you to learn. Welcome to this edition of Woke Vocabulary Lessons. And now today's word, speciesism. Speciesism is the assumption of human superiority leading to the exploitation of animals. A misguided belief that one species is more important than another, including humans. Speciesism. There you go. There's your new word for the day. Woke vocabulary lessons. Hopefully you feel smarter. Do you feel smarter? Do you feel stupider? Speciesism. Yes, that would be discrimination, bias against other species. For example, if you like to eat meat, you are a terrible person. You're a, I suppose it would be a speciesist. Like racist, only a species. You you discriminate against beef cattle, for example, because you eat them. You think they're better. You you are you think you're better than them, and you eat you eat meat. Yes, this is true. There are people who actually believe, and this these are the base. These are from these are the base of the left here. Absolute nuttiness. Only in the United States of America. Can people give themselves the luxury of inventing a word like speciesism or speciesist and calling everybody who eats meat a terrible person because they think that they're better than cows? I don't know about you, but I believe that the creator, God, put animals on earth for the benefit of humanity and for humans to use. I do not believe in being cruel to animals. We rescue animals. We have many animals that we've rescued out here. We have, we live out in the country. We have, we have chickens. We have dogs, cats. I believe that humans, uh, we as a higher species, as the only species to whom God has given the ability to reason rather than to act only by instinct, we have a responsibility to treat animals humanely, but in no way would I ever, and anybody in the right mind for that matter, equate other lesser species of any sort. I mean, are you telling me that a single cell protozoa, an amoeba, is on par with humanity when it comes to value and of, of a person as in personhood and soul? Yes, that's what they're saying. Just this last week in, was I believe it was in New York City, there was a group of PETA and other folks, and that's where I got this word from, speciesism, and they were holding a protest, strolling down the street, 
And it's a free country. We're free to do this, right? If you have permission to hold a march, hold a protest, you get the right permits, by all means do it. In fact, I would stand up and say it's their right to do this as insane and crazy as they are. But it, it's kind of funny. This guy, you know, they're free to protest. And this guy, this guy's, uh, you know, the street, you go to a big city, there's street food all over. So this guy's eating a shish kebab. I don't know what kind of meat, whether it's lamb or beef or whatever. This guy's eating a shish kebab and he somehow infiltrates this crowd of activists and he's eating this shish kebab and they notice it and there's a few, a few of them that just they have a meltdown they get up in the guy's face and they just go off on him and I'm gonna go ahead and roll one of those I had to clean it up it's kind of it sounds kind of choppy because that's I went through it and I edited out all the cursing and I had to cut it down by about half and cut out the whole first half of it this this woman just has a meltdown and curses this guy out and and literally frothing at the mouth foaming at the mouth rabid triggered over this guy eating a shish and the guy the guy just keeps his cool he's got his sunglasses on he's just sitting probably some tourist and he's just sitting there eating a shish kebab just eating away savoring every bite You know, I actually feel really, really badly for that young woman, probably in her 20s, that just you heard there just going off on this guy. And you got the crazy circus music I threw on in the background there because it's just nutty. It's crazy. And but I feel badly for her. That rabid, it's religious. It becomes a religion to them. Rabid environmentalism. This rabid, in this this case, there are many sub-sects of envi environmentalists and envi ra radical environmentalists, and one of those is the PETA crowd, the, you know, everybody needs to be a vegan and we need to all go eat, you know, soy meat or whatever, the plant-based meat, you know, like McDonald's, they tried that out, how'd that work? And I, it becomes their life, it becomes dogmatic to them, just as many religions have dietary guidelines that they choose to follow as as faithful followers of their religion uh, same thing i mean they they choose not to eat anything that comes from an animal not even an egg not even an egg from a chicken and to varying degrees again speciesism you're taking taking the milk from the cow and that's not right i i say this and i give this to you as an example of the base of the democrat party this group of people is the base of the Democrat Party. And that that young lady you heard there screaming in that guy's face, frothing at the mouth because he was eating a shish kebab, is very, very sad. That is a sad person. And I, I pray for her. I pray that she will find truth, that she will find faith in a higher power beyond the state and beyond her dogmatic path that she has gone down of radical radical, whatever you would want to call it, in this case, a subsect of environmentalism radical environmentalism but that wraps up our episode for today i hope you enjoyed it good stuff i'll post another one as soon as i can i thank you for listening uh follow me look if you have uh, truth social if you have something to say or you want to uh, say something to me or make a comment or a suggestion that would be the place to do it go look up smith talk on truth social until next time <laughs>